Have you ever found yourself wondering if there is more to life than your current circumstance? Perhaps you're stuck in a rut of mundane, unsure of where you belong. Maybe you feel bound by chains of poor decision making, feeling lost, but brave enough to consider, what if there's more to life than this? Hi, I'm Cindy Linton and I want to welcome you to the church. My husband, Josh, and I are pastors of a growing congregation of people gathering together in normal Illinois. People who have found the answer to this question is a yes and are committed to joining together in an effort to honor God, love people, and discover truth. Thank you for joining us today. So we're getting into Change Our Minds. We started with Romans 2, 12 and 2 in the King James. And the Bible says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what it what you may prove that that is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. And then we jump to the New Living Translation to read the same thing. And the Bible says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. We say, Jesus, you change everything. Yes, when we go down into that water and we come up in Jesus, we are a new creature. We are a new creature. You know what that means? You can't put on the same way you used to think. You can wear the same clothes. You can do everything on the outside, but if you don't change the inside, God never has the ability to come in and move. When we go down in those waters, it's type and shadow of the grave, and we come up, and we are brand new. But if we're thinking the same way, if I transplanted you from where you're at right now, if you were in a miserable situation, and I transplanted you somehow to a new new place with beautiful scenery all around you, but we never, never change the way we think, do you know what would happen? We would find the same old ruts. We would find the same old patterns in our life. We would find ourselves in a new situation with the same problems because we never allowed our minds to change on this worldly thinking into godly thinking. We never allowed the customs of this world to be let go. And we go on in in 12 and 2 in the New Living. But it says, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Amen? I want God's will for my life. I need God's will for my life because this world is only getting worse. This world says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why do you need to listen to what the Bible says? Why do you need to change your mind and the way God's thinking? Because if we're not careful, this world's going to tell you just walk off a cliff. Matter of fact, it does every day. Suicide rate in this world is as high as it's ever been. And can I tell you, it's just only going to track higher and higher because we don't value life anymore. We don't value people. But you know who does? Jesus Christ. And when we change the way we think, we want to be around people. We want to be with people. We want to be in the body. So that's what this whole last couple weeks have been about is be not conformed to this world, not copying the behaviors and the customs of this world, like Paul wrote to the church in Rome, not not accepting worldly paganism and and open displays of lust and and idolatry and witchcraft and politics and elevated thinking. Aren't you just so excited that the political climate is heating up for this, this November election? Doesn't it just excite you? Don't you just wake up in the morning and want to know what the polls are saying? No, I don't care. I don't care. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I care about what's going on in my world. 
But what I want to do is I want to check my check my spirit in God first. Yeah. Because he sets up rulers and kings. And he tears down rulers and kings. But if I don't know that, if I don't change my way of thinking, I think there's got to be an R or a D next to the person that's leading. I think I've got to get be intrinsically involved in what's going on in this world. And then I forget that he spoke and he created. And because my, my mind is just set on this world and, and how it's running and how it's moving. And it's the same thing that Paul experienced in, in Rome when he wrote this to the, to the Romans. But, but we need to guard our minds. We need to change the way we think. We need to fight against letting the thoughts of this world inundate our mind because it is then we will know God's true will for our life. The enemy of our soul does not want us to know God's will. He doesn't want to know that God went to Calvary and died so that we would no longer have to be in bondage and shame and fear and pain, that we no longer had to be in any of that. The enemy doesn't want us to know that. He wants to keep us trapped in our thoughts. He doesn't want us to know that God loves us so much. God has abundance for us. God has an eternal reward waiting on the other side for us. God has plans for us, Jeremiah tells us. He has provision and protection God has for us. He has mansions and streets of gold. I don't live in a mansion, but I'd like to one day. And I don't want to pay for it. I want to be going up to heaven and living in that mansion. Wouldn't you like to live in a mansion that you didn't pay for and that you didn't build, that God has already set up for you? Can you imagine the skip that's going to be in your step? When you look down on the streets of gold and they are so clear that you see your reflection, could you imagine? You didn't do anything for it. God gave you it all for you. That's what he wants to present to us today. That's what he wants to present to us every day. I have built all of this for you. I have done all of this for you. You've done nothing for it. All I'm asking you to do is to... Seek my will. Seek after me. Follow after me. We're slaves to sin in the flesh, the Bible tells us, if we don't change the way we think. No, it's not a mind over matter conversation. It's not thinking positive and positive things will happen. What I'm preaching about and what I've been preaching about is being proactive. It's taking it to the devil before the devil can take it to us. It's telling the flesh, I'm putting you on notice, flesh. The way that I used to think is no longer the way that I'm going to think. The way that I used to operate is no longer the way that I'm going to operate. It's a conversation in the mirror to say, not happening anymore. I know we've fallen short. I know we've fallen flat. But it's not happening anymore because my mind is being set on Jesus. Amen? Amen. It's proactive. Proactive battle. It's setting our minds so we only think on what is good and what is perfect and what is lovely. And can I tell you, it's really hard to find that in the world. There's only one place you can find it, and that's in the Scripture. So we've got to get out of the world and get into the Scripture. First, Second Corinthians 10, 3 and 5 says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. They are mighty through God. Not mighty through us. You can go to the gym all day long. I probably should. But it's not just because we get stronger doesn't make us mighty. We're mighty through God. The Bible tells us casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That's what we've been talking about. Bringing every thought into captivity. The battle is not in the flesh. The battle is not between flesh. It's about spiritual spirituality. The battle is in the spirit and the way we fight the battle in the spirit is taking captivity every thought. But if I don't renew my mind daily, it's going to be really hard for me to take captivity those thoughts. And it's a daily, daily 
process. We have got to set our minds on Christ. Two weeks ago, we started using through the scripture that David, and we started talking about how David showed us the example there in, in, in uh, 1 Samuel, how David chose prayer. He chose the word. He chose trusting in the Lord's power and authority. He chose he chose these things which lead us to Jesus Christ through the line of Judah. Jesus was, was, was born out of. But David chose, showed us hopeless or hope in a hopeless situation. His family, his loved ones, they had all been taken captive. But he sought God through prayer. He sought God through the Word. He sought God and he went and reestablished everything. Last week, we dove into the book of Psalms through David once again. And we talked about how David chose joy. Nothing around him looked good once again. Man, David had it tough, didn't he? You think you had it tough? Read about David. David had it tough, but in every instance, God turned it around. And he was known, after, he was known as a man after God's own heart. Why? Because he constantly changed his mind. His mind wasn't determined by his surroundings. His mind wasn't determined by his feelings. And we talked last, I preached last week about how joy is not based on feelings and joy is not based on circumstance. Joy is not limited to time, but joy crushes anxiety and depression. You've never seen an angry, depressed person that's happy, have you? <laughs> it doesn't happen. It's not just a smile on the face. Joy isn't just a smile. Joy isn't a feeling. Joy is a choice. Joy is a way of life that no matter you crush my foot, no matter you crush my foot, I'm still going to have joy. I'm still going to walk with joy. And David displayed that joy is a choice. And when we know that joy, Jesus is all around, we know that joy is all around. So we need to renew our minds. We need to change the way we think. Casting down imagination and bringing every thought into captivity. And this morning, I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to read the whole Psalm 136. I usually don't like to read that much. Uh, not because I don't like to read the Bible, just I don't like to read out loud. But I'm going to read the whole Psalm 136. And it's 1 through... Oh, 26. Do we have any volunteers that would like to read this morning? <laughs> I'm going to read it because it ties into what I want to preach about this morning. I want, to, I want to preach this psalm. And no, I don't want to preach Thanksgiving. I want to preach gratitude. I want to preach something that we're missing. Something that doesn't help with the division that we're seeing all around. We don't display gratitude as much as we should. It ties in with joy. That's why you had to preach joy first. Gratitude is the way that we should operate every day in our life. We shouldn't be looking for what's next. We shouldn't be looking for what more can I have. We should be grateful for what we do have. We should be grateful for what God's given. But there's a worldly culture out there that says you need more. You need more. You need more. And we start to step outside of the realm of God and we start to say, I'm going to get it for myself if you won't give it, for, give it to me. Because that's what worldly culture says. If you want it bad enough, go get it. But what God is saying is for us to slow down, for us to stand, for us to stop, and for us to be grateful for what we have. Because when we have, we were, we were been given little things and we do a lot with little things, He will give us more and more. But if we're never grateful, you ever give a gift to a child and they weren't grateful? Didn't make you want to give them any more gifts, did it? I hear pastor can be a little... <laughs> I can, Karen. It is not... Gift, gift receiving is not my love language. And can I tell you, when it comes from God, it's not a lot of our love language. Because we just go, is this it? What about what you gave them? And we compare. 
I don't know who the Joneses are, but for all my life, we've been comparing to the Joneses. They must be really well. I thought it was the Gates. Maybe we should use the Gates or the Musks, but it was the Joneses. Everybody's like, well, keeping up with the Joneses, huh? But well, we're not grateful. We don't, sh- we don't display gratitude. And I, 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 I just want to speak to you from my heart. I'm not sure I'm going to get all this out today. I just want to speak to you from my heart. When we begin to display gratitude, it changes everything about us. It changes the way we think. It puts our focus on God because I don't care if my shoes are ripped or torn. God gave them to me. I don't care if my life is falling apart. God put me here. It just changes everything about us. And then can I tell you, it doesn't always happen this way, but sometimes it really does. It sometimes it really does. There's so much joy unspeakable that it that it bubbles up out of your spirit. That it bubbles up so much that people, you make people sick. <laughs> How can they be so grateful? How can they have so much gratitude? You just make me sick. And I'm telling you, that's what God wants us to display. God wants us to display that. So Psalms 136, bear with me here. This is not written by David. This is written by an unknown author. The Bible says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Don't... Don't lose track of His faithful love because it's going to be a theme throughout this whole thing. Give thanks to God. Give thanks to the God of gods. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to Him alone who does mighty miracles. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to Him who made the heavens so skillfully. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to Him who placed the earth among the waters. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to Him who made the heavens light. His faithful love endures forever. I'm only on 7. I'm going to 26. And I know some of us right now are like, we get it. We get it. Give thanks. His faithful love endures forever. And can I tell you, in our flesh, this is where we stop. Acknowledge you're on top. Acknowledge you created Acknowledge, accepted. But what else? In our spirit, that's what we do. We get so discontent so quick, we forget how great He is. And the psalmist, I I believe the psalmist had to write this so long that it almost became annoying. Because if you woke up every morning and you went and read through this, do you know what it would do to you? It would change the way you thought, thanked people. It would change it because it would be so deep inside of you because your mind would have to get through it like, oh, here we go again. Here we go. Give him thanks. Give him thanks. He did this. He did this. He put the waters. He separated. His faithful love endures forever. But it would be a reminder to your soul that the display of gratitude needs to continually come. Going on an eight. The sun to rule the day. His faithful love endures forever. The moon and the stars to rule the night. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to Him who killed the firstborn of Egypt. His faithful love endures forever. He brought Israel out of Egypt. His faithful love endures forever. He acted with a strong hand and powerful arm. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to Him who parted the Red Sea. His faithful love endures forever. He led Israel safely through. His faithful love endures forever. But He hauled, He he hurled Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to Him who led His people through the wilderness. His faithful love endures forever. Again, a stopping point. He saved me. He raised me. 
That was five years ago. That was ten years ago. What has he done for me lately? You ever heard that expression? Because that's the way we live. Mom, dad, what have you done for me lately? Boss, what have you done for me lately? Coworker, what have you done for me lately? Government, what have you done for me lately? It's an attitude that we display with worldlyism, with paganism, with worldly culture in our lives. It's a what have you done for me lately? Spouse, what have you done for me lately? But it's not the attitude that God is calling us to display. He's calling us to display an attitude of gratitude, an attitude of thanks, an attitude of gratefulness. And if we're not careful, we get sucked back into this culture. And that's why it's a constant renewing our minds. Going on in 17, give thanks to him who struck down mighty kings. His faithful love endures forever. He killed powerful kings. His faithful love endures forever. Shion, king of the Amorites, his faithful love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, his faithful love endures forever. God gave the land of these kings as his inheritance. His faithful love endures forever. A special possession to his servant Israel. A faithful love endures forever. Can I tell you, there's never been a church, a Pentecostal church in the town of Normal. Did you know that? There's never been. Okay? So you know what's been in the town of Normal? Kings. Strongholds. Do you know what God does? Tears them down. Establishes places. Establishes things. Well, you, I didn't know there was a king. I, didn't, I thought King Charles was in England. No. Spiritual. Authority. High places. We don't fight with gratitude in our flesh. It's about the spiritual realm. It's about what God is offering in the spiritual realm. These kings were true kings. They were kings in an area, but it was an area that God was establishing for Israel. This is type and shadow of the warfare we face. It's not between human and human. It's in spirituality, spiritual realms. There was a, there was a king that was set up on the edge of the city at the Apostolic Pentecostal Church over there on town, and we prayed, and we prayed, and there was a loosening. I realize I'm getting into deep waters before I'm even getting into my message, but there is spiritual wickedness in high places. It doesn't have to do with a Democrat. It doesn't have to do with a Republican. It doesn't have to do with a transgender or homosexuality or straight. It doesn't have to do with anything. It's with wickedness in high places. And can I tell you, when we don't display gratitude on a daily, hourly basis, we allow them to ring. Because we show that we are not worthy of what God is going to put before us. Israel made mistakes, but they always went to the Lord. Israel made mistakes and God punished them, but they always went to the Lord. And this psalmist is going on and saying he destroyed. He gave us the land for our inheritance, a special possession to his servant Israel. His faithful love endures forever. 23, he reminded us in our weakness. He remembered us in our weakness every time. Every time he remembers, his faithful love endures forever. He saved us from our enemies. His faithful love endures forever. He gives food to every living thing. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to God in heaven. His faithful love endures forever. You cannot go through those 26 verses and not find something to give gratitude about God for in your life. Right, yeah. You say, well, that was for Israel. No, it's a type and shadow of the life we live in right now. There's enemies that want to come and destroy you. And God's been holding them back. Oh, I've been taking pretty bad abuse. Yeah, you have. But he's been holding the ones back. Thank you, Lord. Amen. That's right. Amen. 
And when we display gratitude, it only strengthens the cause to know that we trust in God. And we trust in God. It doesn't matter what arrow comes from the enemy. It doesn't matter what arrow because we've got that shield, remember? We've got that shield of faith. Throw it all at me. Throw it all but the kitchen sink. Did you see Elon Musk went into Twitter and he took a sink? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. Throw it all at me. Come on. Throw it all at me. Because your faithful love endures forever. Break me down to my knees. Break me down on the floor. Your faithful love endures forever. You ever met somebody that's getting ready to pass from this world to the next? And they've got nothing but gratitude. Oh, I've seen so much. Oh, God was so good. Oh, my life was so wonderful. It's totally different than somebody going, Oh, I just wish I had one more day. Oh, I just wish I had one more day. See, when we have gratitude, it doesn't matter what about tomorrow. It's about right now. It's about today because we live in the moment. And God is a God of moments, not tomorrow. He doesn't want us focusing on tomorrow because when we focus, that means we think we need to have control of tomorrow. He wants us to live in what he's given us right now because right now is the promise. It's why every opportunity in church, we can't take it lightly because right now is the promise. Yes, in another minute, that will also be the promise. That's how God works. Let's not worry about then or let's not worry about there. It's all about right now and gratitude comes in right now. Webster defines gratitude as the quality of being thankful. Readiness to show appreciation for and to return kindness. Now, honestly, think in your mind, when was the last time you returned the kindness? Don't say it out loud, <laughs> but think on it. When was the last time our quality of being thankful was displayed? Focusing on what is good in our lives and being thankful for the things we have. Not, not really a difficult concept. I, I, I understand. It's not, it's not difficult. We are blessed. We are blessed. There's a lot of things to be thankful for. Amen? Amen. How hard would it be, though? How hard would it be, though, just to be thankful and not get another thing? It would be hard. It would be hard because our culture tells us we need to have stuff. You ever, you ever been to Thanksgiving Black Fridays and went shopping? You don't need any of that junk. But it's on sale. It's on sale. <laughs> so you got to have it because they took $10 off even though they raised the price $20 before they put it on sale 10 I mean, come on. It's business. They know what they're doing. But we've got to have stuff even though we don't need stuff. And by, by displaying that, we display worldly culture. Worldly culture. Never be happy. I think you should have stuff. I think God wants us to have stuff. But I think he wants us to be happy and not covet other stuff if that makes sense. Well, if you check the temperature of society and culture, the world will tell us that choosing gratitude is not encouraged. To the point that instead of being satisfied with what we have, society tells us that we should, we should not just be satisfied, we should blame others for what we don't have. You ever met somebody that blames you because they don't have anything? They're out there. They'll find you. You don't have to find them. The most blessed nation in the world, and yet we suffer the most with mental health. And do you know what the most part of our mental, prob mental health problems are? Self. It's self because we don't think we're good enough. Because we don't think we'll ever be enough. Because we're comparing ourselves to people that are unrealistically untrue. We are comparing ourselves to things that are filmed in a bubble. 
We're comparing ourselves to people who we never walked a step in their shoe and we have no idea how they got there. But we're comparing, comparing, comparing to the point that there's influences that are telling us what we should do. It used to be in a magazine in the catalog. You used to get like a magazine from the store and it would put out the latest trends. Now it's daily inundated into our lives. This is what you should wear. This is what you should do. This is how you should walk. This is how you should talk. My son told me that he could get into penny stocks and be a millionaire by the time he's 24. I just find that hard to believe because there's not a lot of millionaires out in the world. Somebody is influencing and telling and doing these things and we're just not happy with where we're at. So our mental health is suffering. Our mental health is to the point where I'm no longer gracious for what this body that God has given me. Has it has some flaws? Sure it does, but I should be gracious for it. I should be gracious the fact that my knees, my feet, my back, my arms, my legs, it all works. Amen, Karen? I should be grateful for what works. Amen? Amen. I shouldn't be coveting somebody else. I should be grateful and thankful for what God has done in my life, but yet the world will tell us, don't be happy with you. Try to be them. And that's not gratitude. That's covetedness. You can take that all the way back to the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's things. And yet here we are, living in a world of idolatry, living in a world of witchcraft and paganism and, and, and Ouija boards and all this and all that. Call a tarot card and they'll read your cards. It's all dark and evil out there. And God's trying to say, i got to get your attention. Because if you're not careful, you're going to find yourself three years into it and you're going to wonder how to get out. And if you would just change your mind on being grateful for what you have, it would put a total different spin on your life. It would put a total different respect perspective on your life because I would be right here. And when I'm right here, you're going to know my will. You're going to know why I gave you the feet I gave you. You're going to know why I gave you the hands I gave you. You're going to know why I gave you the parents that I gave you. And it's going to be all about God's will. And our life is going to be totally different than where it's going if we're not careful. So the point is, is you're just not satisfied. The most blessed, the culture in the world, thinking says, why choose gratitude? You should want more and more and more to the point that not only we're not grateful, we're the opposite. We're ungrateful. You ever met an ungrateful person? Really hard to be around. They're kind of like, they go kind of hand in hand with that guy that's not joyful. They're kind of down. They're kind of eory. It's really hard. It's really hard to be down and eory, eory when you're grateful. That's not even a word. It kind of sounds like Oreo. It's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to be down when you're grateful. Isn't it? It goes hand in hand because that's what God is wanting to do. We're supposed to be the light in this world. You know what a light looks like? Different than everything else. It's got gratitude when you shouldn't have anything to be grateful for, but you got air in your breath. If you don't have anything else to be grateful for, you've got a lung that goes poo poo. Or that's a heart. You got a lung. You got a lung that fills to capacity. <laughs> Oh, we're getting all over the place today. You got a lung that breathes and breathes air. If you don't have a lung that's breathing air, we should be thankful there's air in this world. Be thankful for gravity. Be thankful for gravity. You have the ability to walk on a planet. Stop looking to the stars. Stop looking to other places. God has given us all that we need and all that we ask for. We need to renew our thinking today. Change from the worldly thoughts and, and allow God's word to show us how to choose gratitude. And I believe he does it scripture after scripture. And if you can't find them, just go to Psalms 136. 
Read it every day if you need to, but there's got to be a change in the way we operate. Do you know why? Because if we operate with gratitude, I'm using Tori a lot, I just like walking to my left. If we operate with gratitude, our relationships change. Tori, how's it going today? I'm just so grateful. No, no, really, how's it going? No, really, I'm so grateful for what God has done and given to you in my life. It's totally different than we go, how's it going today? Well, you know when somebody starts with the well, <laughs> they're debating in their mind whether they want to really lay it out. <laughs> but when we go, it's awesome. Yeah, it, it makes me puke the first couple times I hear her say that. Come on, Tori, seriously, though, how's it going? But then it begins to show that every day there's gratefulness. And I know, I know we have bad days. That's why we got to change even more. That's why we got to renew even more. You see, by, cha- by choosing gratitude, we establish and make decisions in our mind, and it all belongs to God. And He alone is the reason we can express gratitude. If we don't have Jesus, we can't express gratitude because we don't truly know what it likes to be grateful. We can, we can display uh, appearances of, but we never know what it truly is like to express true gratitude. And once we make that decision to choose Christ, we have nothing but gratitude and appreciation to give. He gave it all, and all, he, all we have the ability to do back is be grateful and appreciative of. The cross was for you. Mercy was for you. Grace was for you. Abundance was for you. Life is for you. Love is for you. Joy is for you. Peace is for you. Hope is for you. God is for you. How does that not just automatically make you so grateful and thankful in every attitude that you have? And I'll tell you how it doesn't. It's worldly culture. Worldly culture. And you can't say that it's not there. Because if it was there, our families would be completely different, wouldn't they? Kids would just be grateful to parents. Parents would be grateful to kids. We would just operate so much closer. But right now, we just want to be distance, distance, distance. But gratitude wants to pull you close, pull you close, pull you close, because I'm grateful just to know you. You ever said that to somebody? I'm grateful just to know you. Why? What did I do? Just to know you. And then watch their reaction. They'll look at you and say, you're just weird. (laughs) Or there will be a tear that will well up because nobody's ever told them they're grateful for them. Nobody's ever expressed gratitude without saying, I'm grateful for you. Can you do this for me? There's no strings with gratitude. Gratitude only goes up because that's the only place that gratitude belongs. It only belongs to him. Paul in Romans talks about life in the spirit, walking with God. It's why we need the spirit. It's why we need the Spirit of God in our lives because the Spirit will lead us to more and more places of gratitude. The Spirit will allow us to get on our knees and understand that without it, we are lost. But Paul talks about it in Romans 8. If you're interested, read it. I don't have time to go through the whole chapter. Romans chapter 8, he talks about walking with God and living a life after Christ and being born again and no longer bound to sin. We're no longer bound to sin, so we have things to be grateful for and being heirs to God's glory. He continues in verse 18, laying out God's promise for our future. He's The Bible says, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will receive later. What we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory of later. Have we forgot about the unforeseen glory later? Because if we do, we've forgotten about the gratitude that we should display because nothing we are facing now 
compares to that. And what little bit of self-satisfaction you think is losing us from the glory that God has for us in the future. He goes on to looking forward with, with patience and confidence. God is with us. God knows us and God chooses us and God called us. And he sums it up with Romans 8.31. Nothing can separate us from God's love, the Bible says. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? If you don't have anything to be grateful about, think about it. God's, by, God's got your back. It changes your whole attitude. Gratitude is displayed because devil, throw whatever you want at me. Flesh, try what you will. God's got my back. I'm going to fall. Say it out loud. You ever say it out loud? I'm going to fail. Guess what? God's got your back. It's what mercy and grace are about. We're not supposed to play in the nets of mercy and grace. But if we fall short, God is there to pick us up. And we have that to be grateful about. I don't have to be perfect, Carolyn. I don't have to be perfect because my God loves me so much. His love never fails and His love never leads. So when I fall, I can be grateful that He will pick me back up. Paul was agreeing with the author of Psalms 136. We have every reason to choose gratitude, but what happens is the world creeps in and our thoughts slowly change based on our surrounding. It's okay. God knew we were flawed and He still chose us. Amen? That's what mercy and grace is about, like what I said. What he doesn't want is for us to know that there's something better and not do anything about it. He wants us to renew our minds. It's, it, it, it's, kind, of a, it, it's kind of what we don't want to hear. We know what's right and we know what's wrong, but we still choose the wrong way. We know that if we don't renew our minds, this worldly culture is going to come in and it's going to spin and it's going to change. But if we don't do something about it, we're always going to be stuck in the cycle. And what God wants is God wants us to know the difference between good and evil. And He wants to set our minds on what is perfect and what is pure and what is holy. Because if all we do is allow evil to come in, how can we ever expect anything but evil to go out? And we dance. We dance. I was at a wedding last night. I didn't dance. But I wanted to. But I'm not a good dancer. So my dance looks like this. We dance. We dance with the world and we dance with the Lord. You know, there's only one bridegroom. There's only one bride. You know that, right? And when we find relation with Jesus, it's like our marriage is till eternal end. And we shouldn't be one to dance with somebody else. We should want to stay with the one, with the one who's called us, with the one who's redeemed us, with the one who's given us purpose and power and glory and authority. And yet we come and we dance with the world and say, just tell me one more story. Just tell me one more song. And we mix with it. And then our thoughts never go back to the way they're supposed to be. If thoughts never change, our culture and our sin nature encourage us to keep searching for more than what God provides. But the Bible tells us in Philippians 4.19, Paul tells us to the church in Philippi, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from His glorious riches which has been given to us in Christ Jesus. Do you know you have everything you need? Right now, you have everything you need. So why are you trying to get something else? You know why you're trying to get something else? Because worldly culture tells you that you should. You know why we go into the debt that we go into as a society? 
Because culture tells us that we should and that we need and that this and all that. You know, God, God, the Bible tells us time after, this is one scripture, reference after reference. You could go back into the Old Testament. He gave the lilies clothes. He fed the birds seeds. He, he supplies, supplies, and supplies. But our gratitude never says, oh, thank you, God, for all that I have. In moments it does. We're getting ready to come into one of those moments in Thanksgiving. And it's during Thanksgiving we become thankful for what God has done. What would happen if that was daily occurrence? What would happen if gratitude just welled up out of our souls? Gratitude flows consistently when it bubbles up from deep inside. A fully satisfied heart is someone who displays gratitude. When we choose gratitude, our minds are fixed on the things of God to the point our hearts express the things of God. Gratitude and love, gratitude and favor, gratitude and everything of God begins to happen here and then it begins to move here and then it wells out from inside of us and it becomes our actions. You're not going to be grateful in your heart if you're not grateful in your mind. You're definitely not going to be grateful in your spirit if your heart and your mind are not in check. There's not going to be room for God to come in and dwell if we don't take care of it here first. Our mind is a powerful thing, which is why God has called us to change it to his thinking if we choose when we choose gratitude our minds are fixed on the thing of god to the point our hearts express those things it's a choice of being fully satisfied in god because when we are fully satisfied in the lord or in our flesh we are grateful you ever ate a really good meal and were stuffed what'd you tell the waiter when he came back oh that was good i'm stuffed you were satisfied weren't you you might not like the bill when you get it but before the bill comes, you're, you're happy, right? That's how we express it in the flesh. I'm full. I'm satisfied. We associated stuffed with satisfaction in the flesh. The issue with the flesh is that satisfaction or that stuff feeling will fade. But when you're satisfied in the Lord, Jesus tells us in John 7, 37 and 39, on the, on the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowd, anyone who is thirsty may come to me anyone who believes in me may come and drink for the scripture declares rivers of living water will flow from his heart when he said living water this is john when he said living water he he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to every everyone believing in him but the spirit had not yet been given because jesus had not yet entered into his glory we look for satisfaction in the flesh through things but the Bible's talking about a satisfaction of gratitude that's going to be displayed of an overflowing heart that loves the Lord and is going to come out of our bellies. And there's going to be rivers of living water, Jesus talks about. There's going to be an unction of the Spirit that moves within that's going to flow on everyone around us. See, we don't have to rely on the flesh because when Jesus comes into our life, it's an unending spring. That satisfaction never goes away. That satisfaction never changes. You know what changes is our mind. You say, well, pastor, I don't like to change my mind on things. Do you know we do it more than we like to think we do? We change our mind on a lot of things. Matter of fact, we change our mind spiritually more than we change our minds carnally. Because there's moments in our spiritual life where we will say, I am on board, Lord. And then circumstances and situation happens and we question. It all happens up here in a short amount of time. Now in our flesh, there's an expression you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I'm learning the older I get, I don't like to change my mind. But in the spirit, I change it every day. 
You see what's happening in our worldly culture? God's saying, set your affections on me. Put your mind on me. And the world is teaching us, well, we can just flow with whatever takes place. And that's not the scripture. We're supposed to be rooted on a firm foundation. We have been looking for satisfaction from this world for far too long. It's not coming from the world, but it's coming through God. And he's showing that if we find him, we can find true gratitude and satisfaction and be full in him. Great fullness. The flow out of our hearts. Great fullness. There is a fullness of God inside of your belly that you can't but control to help come out. Amen. So how do we choose gratitude? By being fully satisfied in God. And how are we fully satisfied in God? Psalms 136 shows us four ways, and I'll be quick. It shows us four ways to help us continue to choose gratitude. Number one is acknowledge. Acknowledge God. Because when we acknowledge God, we acknowledge how great God is. And if you would read back through, and I'm not going to, verses 1 through 3, the psalmist talks about God, about He is the God of gods and the Lord of lords. He is all of these things. There is no competition. There is no challenger. He is simply God alone. If I told you that you serve the greatest king in the whole entire world, what would you do? You would go tell other people. If I told you that you serve the most powerful authority that spoke and created creation, what would you do? You would go tell people. That's why I know there's worldly thinking in us because we don't tell anybody about Jesus. We think they already know. But whenever I acknowledge him and I express that knowledge, whether alone or whether with somebody, that's gratitude flowing out of me. God, I know there's no greater. God, I know there's none that walk even in your shadow. God, I know that there is none that even compare to you. Gratitude just begins to flow from my lips and my attitude begins to change because when a bully comes and slugs me in the face, gratitude will go, that didn't hurt. You don't know my dad. He's going to come take care of you. That's okay. You can do whatever you want for me. And I know I'm saying that out loud and you're like, stop saying that out loud. But what does it matter when you're grateful for what you have? It can all end tomorrow. We don't know the day or the hour. It can all go tomorrow. I'd so much rather go grateful than wondering what if I did this or what if I did that. Number two is a remember. Verses four and nine. Remember that God is the creator. He is the master architect of the design of the universe and the artist behind the beauty in the world and the beauty in you. It's not your parents' DNA that twisted and formed the whatever that DNA strand is called that created you. It had a part of it, but God designed you just like he designed this world. If you don't like the beauty of the world, keep it to yourself. If you don't like the beauty of other people, keep it to yourself. Be grateful because God created them. He created them for a special purpose, a special use, and we should be thankful and remember that number three is received. Verse 10 through 17, God has always been a God of deliverance. He has made a way, amen? amen? The journey of Israel through the wilderness past the Red Sea, like I said in the beginning, is, is a symbolic way of God making a way for us today. God still parts waters. God still makes a way. God still allows the enemy to chase and he closes the water in behind him. God still does that. You know why? Because God still remembers. When was the, or God still, still delivers. When was the last time you received deliverance? 
well, it was 1984. I received the Lord into my life. Deliverance is an everyday occurrence. Deliverance is an everyday understanding that He delivered you out of bondage and out of darkness because when you remember that He delivered, gratitude. Gratitude flows. And number four, rest. Verse 18 through 28. My need for the essentials of life are found in Christ Jesus. You get anxious when you have to go to the grocery store because you have to get stuff. Now, you're still going to have to go to the grocery store. That's not, that's not what I'm preaching about this morning. God just isn't going to bring birdies. Now, I believe that he can because in the Old Testament he did. But that's not what's going to take place, and that's not what I'm talking about. But God's not going to bring little birdies to your door. There, soon there will be drones, and Amazon will drop it off. But you are going to still have to make the list, okay? But there are people that get anxious when you go to the grocery store because there's so many choices, so many aisles, and it costs so much. Can I just tell you that God provides all that? Stop being anxious and stop being worried about what you have. And just understand, this is what you have. Be grateful and thankful for it. And God will bless and God will multiply. And He will make sure that that is enough for you. So there is somebody in here that's constantly worried whether you're going to have enough. Can I tell you, you're going to have enough. And what we've got to do is we've got to rest on it. We've got to rest on the understanding. He delivered me once. He provided for me once. And he's going to do it again. And he's going to do it again. And he's going to do it again. And I just need to be grateful for it. I need to be grateful. Even though I don't feel there's anything to be grateful for, I need to be grateful for it. My need for redemption from sin is found in Jesus. My need for relationship with God is found in Jesus. These are things that I can rest upon when I lay my head down at night. I don't have to worry about the enemies that are going to try to take me down tomorrow because my rest is found in Jesus and that's something to have gratitude for. Stand with me this morning. We can never choose gratitude until we are fully satisfied. And we will never truly be satisfied until we have that relationship with Jesus Christ. We were designed with a void that only Jesus can fill. We were created with a hunger inside and a thirst for His presence and provision. And what we try to do and what the worldly culture does is just stuff it with something else. It'll suffice you for a while, but it won't suffice you to the end. And what Jesus is telling us is my love. My spirit will suffice you to the end where you will not need anything else. Nothing else on earth lasts like God's love lasts. I'm choosing gratitude today. My mind is being renewed. My thoughts are His. And my soul is filled with the things of God. Today and the days going forward, my belly is going to flow with gratefulness. It's a choice. It's a choice. Your life might not be perfect when you walk out of those doors, but it doesn't change your choice of being grateful. It doesn't change your choice of being grateful. We get to the end of every sermon and there's an opportunity, an altar call, even though we don't have an altar, but a prayer in your seat or pray with somebody, however you want to close. But we get to these points and you have a choice. Every day we're presented with choices. And here's another one. You can leave the way you came or you can leave with more gratitude than you ever knew you had. And you can begin to display and you can begin to walk and you can begin to express that gratitude, a gratitude and expression that I might not have everything, but I have everything Jesus wants me to have. As long as I'm in his hands, I don't have to worry about anything. The Bible tells us in Revelations 22 and 17, it said the spirit and the bride say, come, let anyone who hears this say, come. 
Let anyone who is thirsty come. God time and time again is talking about empty vessels. And you know why you're empty? Because there's no gratitude to come out. There's no welling to come up. But when Jesus has come in, there's nothing but gratitude that should come from our hearts. God is calling out to us this morning. I came across this story about missionaries. They went to the Caribbean. They went to an island of Trinidad and Tobago. They were at a worship set and there were a group of lepers that sat in the back of the room and they were worshiping. And they were worshiping and they noticed this one lady, she was facing the back of the, of, of the service. And they got to the end of the song and they said, does anybody have a request? And the lady turned around and they said she was so ugly that some of the worshipers had to look away. She had no nose, she had no lips. You know what leprosy does, it attacks the outer extremities. And she raised her hand, but her fingers and her hands were gone because it attacks the outer extremities and she just had enough. And she said, can you sing that song? And they said, what song is that, ma'am? And they said, count your many blessings. I'm not going to ask you to sing it today. But she said, can you sing that song where it talks about all the blessings that I have in my life, all the blessings. And that man left. He was broken. Because here was this leper lady who had no nose, who had no lips, who had no arms. She was just being destroyed from the outside. But yet even in her, even in her understanding of who her creator was, there were blessings to count. There was gratitude to give. And he said that when they started to sing that song, there was a presence that flowed over that room. Because that woman allowed gratitude. She wasn't worried about her conditions. She wasn't worried about what she looked like. But there was gratitude that filled that place. And the Spirit of God broke out so heavy in that service. I know today you might not be where you want to be, but you are, you are where God wants you to be. I know today everything's not perfect, but it's perfect for God. That's why He's got you right in that moment, right there. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from the church. We hope you feel encouraged by the words you have heard today and would love the opportunity to get to meet you in person if you ever find yourself in Normal, Illinois. For more information on what's happening and to discover ways to connect, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and never miss a service. Also, follow us on social media. Find us on Instagram by searching thechurch.normalil or on Facebook by searching The Church. Direct links can be found in the show notes. Thank you.